With their sponsorship of episode 215 of the Read to Lead podcast, FreshBooks cloud accounting software is making it easy for you to try them out with absolutely no obligation. Get access to 100% of FreshBooks features for 30 days when you visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Do you have some form of morning focus session or morning ritual to reset, to refocus? Just sit quietly, breathe, map out what you've got to do, what's most important. Hello and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. It's the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I'm your host, Jeff Brown, and I believe that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then intentional and consistent reading is a must. Now, the Read to Lead podcast is not only going to help you narrow this important reading list, but help bring you key insights and valuable ideas from today's most successful and inspiring authors. In just a few minutes, you and I are going to be joined by Mr. Greg Layton. Greg is the author of Chief Maker, the five-step blueprint to rising above the pack and getting a seat on the executive team. I'm going to be asking Greg to share about the most critical issues facing those in senior management positions, what it means to have a purpose-centered game plan, Greg's process for building powerful routines, and much, much more. One thing for me that I once considered a weakness, but now consider a superpower, is my accounting ability. FreshBooks cloud accounting software makes me look pretty awesome, if I do say so myself. When it came to determining an accounting solution for my business, I wanted simple and easy to use, and FreshBooks is definitely that. It simplifies my invoicing, my tracking of expenses. I love getting paid online. And FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes to deal with paperwork. If you own your own business or are working on a side hustle, you're a freelancer maybe, then FreshBooks is perfect for you. And now would be a great time to try FreshBooks because as you may have heard, they have a free 30-day trial available to you as a listener of Read to Lead. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. That easy to remember address once again, freshbooks.com slash read to lead. I hope you'll check it out. Greg Layton is the founder of Chiefmaker and specializes in accelerating the careers of senior managers into C-suite roles. He is a sought-after keynote speaker on executive performance and host of the top podcast, The Inner Chief. And he has spent the last decade coaching CEOs and executives of major corporations around the globe. He's the author of a new book, too. It's called Chief Maker, the five-step blueprint to rising above the pack and getting a seat on the executive team. Greg, welcome officially to the Read to Lead podcast. Excited to have you. Thank you, Jeff. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, I thought I would start out by having you share what you see, Greg, is some of the bigger issues that, that many people in, in senior management roles are dealing with today. Jeff, I think it's really twofold. I think the... The first half of the equation is that the environment people operating in is faster, more complex than ever. Uh, every big client that I work for, every major corporate is going through some form of transformation. That's because if they don't transform, the company just simply won't survive. And that's even in, in the sense of even government departments and hospitals or things that aren't really where profit isn't even turned. They have to transform. And the reason is customer expectations, employee expectations are all shifting. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that your product's got to be better, 
the environment that people work in has got to be better as well. So the world that executives are operating in, it's faster, more complex, so many moving parts. It's an endless barrage of data from emails, phones, text messaging. It's really, really hard to see the forest through the trees more than ever. So I think that's the first half of the equation. And the second half of the equation that I think is really challenging for, for most managers is they tend to go through this progression, which looks like they started as some form of technical professional. And then they maybe go into their first management role where Still, their role is probably 90% technical, and it's the roles that go from that into more of a general management role and then into an executive role that are the really tough ones because when you walk into those, all of a sudden, your 90% technical gets wiped because you're very often leading teams you have no technical expertise in. And all of a sudden, the thing that was your backbone, that made you confident, that made you smart, that gave you a competitive advantage is now gone. And what you now need is some process, relationship management, and a process that drives performance in areas you know often nothing about. So as you go up, you're dealing with more complexity. It's getting faster. And often, you often know very little about it. So that's what I think is some of the real challenges for executives these days or people mm-hmm. in senior management. And that's where a guy with your skills and expertise comes in pretty handy to help folks <laughs> navigate uh, some of these issues. Uh, Greg says in the book's introduction that it's that it's likely you have all the resources at your fingertips you need to be successful. So, so in other words, it's not a complete overhaul that you need, but rather just maybe some some fine tuning. I thought that was refreshing uh, to read, Greg. Can, can you expound on that idea a bit? Number one, I think a lot of the time we take the wrong approach to getting work done and growing ourselves. So the first thing is we often hustle, 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 mm-hmm. and by that they just work harder. And so they work their tails off and they don't actually get any further. The thing is, what is the game plan? Because the game you're playing doesn't necessarily require harder work, but just much smarter work. Mm. So often the resources are at your fingertips, the right people are, are in your team. You know the people that the business that can solve the problem for you. There are very few new problems in business, often one or two phone calls to someone who's a colleague in a similar organization or from a consultant, and the problem is solved really, really quickly. So the second half of that, I think, is do you need to go and do an MBA? And I had a CEO of a, of a major listed company on recently, multi-billion dollar listed company. And I said, should people do an MBA? Because that's a major overhaul. Mm. And he said, in general, one third of MBAs are beneficial. One third have no value add at all. And one third have a negative value add. Mm. And I said, negative? How's that possible? And he said, well, it raises their expectations too quickly mm. about where they should be. So I suppose the thing is, I'm a very firm believer you must continually grow and develop and build a network and all these really important things. But a complete educational overhaul or working harder, I don't think they're necessarily the solution. They can be, but not all the time. Well, you mentioned a game plan a moment ago. Step one of this five-step blueprint is game plan. And by the way, these five steps spell out the acronym GREAT. There's game plan, there's routine. I'm going to test myself to see if I can remember them all. There's entourage, there's assets, and there's track record. Did I get them all? Yes. That's right. Spot on. Uh, so, so talk to me about what it means to have a purpose-centered game plan. You, you mentioned game plan, but what, is, what does a purpose-centered game plan mean? I'll, I'll tell a story, Jeff. I, 
Many years ago, when I was going through my own career transitions, I was sitting around a campfire on this island off Australia, and this very wise old friend of my father's and I was sitting around having a scotch at about 11 o'clock at night watching the stars, and we're talking about career and life, and um, he's had a pretty remarkable um, run of things, and talking about purpose, Uh, and he said, Greg, in the end, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. Even a banker can have purpose in life. It's just a matter about how you go about your work. And I think the key answer here is, like, is the world a better place at the end of the day because you walked the planet? Mm. Like, because you walked into the office, is the world a better place? And if you are unsure about purpose, then find this. Because what purpose does, it gives you this great sense of, you know, um, of gratitude that you're a good person and that just drives self-esteem and self-worth and has this magnificent role that it plays in your career. And if all you're doing is something that has no purpose, it's a bit shallow and lifeless and meaningless, it eventually has its effect on you. And a lot of the words people use are, my career is soul-destroying or I've got to sacrifice my life and all these key things. But purpose puts all that back in so you can, I suppose, have your cake and eat it too. Speak to the issue of, of understanding and the importance of understanding, Greg, who your true customer really is. I thought, I thought this was, was fascinating. Look, the, the way I, I think about the business world is in many ways we get complacent because we sign, we get these things that are called full-time jobs. <laughs> but what I like to say is think of yourself as a professional services firm of one. When a job ad comes out, it's more like a, a request for proposal, right? You're up against all these other professional services firms, i.e. candidates, And so what you're doing is you're pitching what you provide to a buyer. Now, who is the buyer? The buyer is the person that will approve your salary. That is, it's your boss. In a career sense, your true customer is your boss. So not only do you have to meet their needs and exceed them, you have to make them a raving fan. And when your boss is a raving fan, life at work is a treat. Well, when it comes to those you may be competing against for some of the same positions, let's say, what what questions, Greg, should you be prepared to ask yourself in regard to who you're likely to compete with for promotions? Yeah, I think this is a great question, Jeff, because in general, people don't even think about doing some form of competitor analysis. Mm. I mean, we, we, this whole competitive nature between between leaders, it almost it's like the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. But if you are going to be going for a job, then you absolutely have to understand it's a highly competitive process for that job, right? Mm. So what are some things you need to know? So what I get people to draw is just draw a bit of a table with your name at the top and a couple of other potential candidates that you know might go for the job you're going for. Then stack yourself up and test things. What is the skill set you've got? What is the education you've got? What is the experience? And by, by that, I mean wide ranging experience in maybe different countries, different roles within organizations, different, different kinds of roles. So you look well-rounded. What is your track record? When it comes down to it, there is nothing more powerful than a bulletproof track record, mm. which is why it's the, the last letter in the great method, because mm. everything is about getting that track record. So skills, education, experience, track record. And the last piece of the pie you have to work out is relationships. If you have no relationship at all, that is your complete unknown entity, and you go into a, um, a panel interview, it's much harder than if you've already got some form of relationship. So if, if you're thinking about maybe getting a promotion in one to two years' time from now, start right now to build those relationships and understand the people you know will be, going, will be employing next time around. Mm. 
Well, uh, in step two, you talk about the importance of routines, habits. Uh, share, if you would, Greg, your process uh, for building powerful routines. Yeah, sure, Jeff. The first thing to understand is that routines aren't things that limit you. Routines are mm. what I like to call automating the pursuit of excellence. I love that. This is your opportunity to put in place the right steps in the process. Just yesterday, I had a really good mate of mine, a very odd mate of mine who called me up and he's an electrician, but he said, hey man, I just keep getting lost on what I've got to do and I can't keep up. Because what's something that I can do? And I said, well, mate, do you have some form of morning focus session or morning ritual to reset, to refocus? Just sit quietly, breathe, map out what you've got to do, what's most important. And he goes, well, well no, I don't. And I said, well, <laughs> mate, that's, that's bare bones. In a complex, fast-moving world, you have to have this process, which is a rhythm of reset, of reset, of reset. And without it, it's really difficult. Now, how does that relate to routines that drive performance? So the, the process that I coach is called prepare, perform, recover, review. And if I talk you through an elite sporting team, and I've worked a lot in elite sport, this is what they do. They come together on a Monday and they do a review of the game on the weekend. It's very detailed, lots of data, metrics, heaps of awesome information. Then they prepare for a week, right? And prepare is rehearsal, it's refining the game plan, it's testing, trying, getting everything absolutely perfect, including roles. And then on the weekend or the Saturday or the Sunday, they go all out with full game face and they perform to the full extent of their ability to the point where they have to recover on the next day or two, the Sunday or the Monday. Now, this is the thing. If you think about your own daily, weekly, monthly, or annual rhythm as an individual and as a business, what is the quality of each of those steps? And I want you to run that ruler over your own schedule. How good is your recovery? If you're not getting recovery right, you're not bringing your A game. Because this is a really interesting thing. If you think about peaks and troughs in a, in a classic wave type formation, if your recovery is shallow, so is your peak. Does that make sense? If I don't get the right depth of recovery, I can't launch into a magnificent high-quality performance. Mm. So recovery is critical. Review is where you get all the gains. It's where growth happens. So if you cut out review or you don't do effective review, your performance just won't boom. You won't take the big leaps that you need. If you don't get preparation right, what happens? You fail at performance and you've left stones unturned. And then when you get into performance, you don't have that sense of confidence and flow. So you've got to get those right. And then when you get to performance, oh, I just find too many people are too laissez-faire. They don't, they don't take it seriously and go, right, this is my time to shine. I've got to get this report perfect. I've got to get this presentation absolutely right. I'm going to put on my game face and go for it. So when I talk about routines, I try to build all those elements into my schedule. When all those elements are present, that is when you get real high-level performance. And it was in this part of the book, as I recall, that, that Greg mentions as an example his work with uh, tennis great Martina Navratilova, helping her coach uh, one of her clients. And it was then that I realized, thanks to knowing Greg now, I'm just one degree of separation from knowing Martina Navratilova <laughs> and how awesomely cool I think that is. <laughs> Yeah, it was, a, it was a very special uh, call. I remember we did it all via Skype, and I remember looking at my, my computer screen and thinking, what is she talking to me for? <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, we, we had some form of solution to help her you know, mm. bridge a gap in what they were doing. 
some listening to this may not know that name, but I'm old enough to have watched her in her prime and, and mm. play uh, some of those matches against Chris Everett and others. And mm. I have yeah. all kinds of respect for having formerly played the game myself, though not at the professional level. Let's be let's be real. Uh, well, step three introduces this idea of, of your entourage. You're specifically uh, talking about being strategic, I think, and intentional about who you surround yourself with, right? Yeah, and I, I refer to five different parts of your entourage um, because if you get any of these wrong, then you're likely to have mm. some serious stress and anxiety. That's what relationships cost you, not just your track record and all that, but the real thing is the hurt that it costs you, and human beings are just incredibly good at putting up with rubbish relationships. Mm. I just don't know why, but the best chiefs I've ever met, if there's any sense of um, awkwardness or an elephant in the room, you know what? They come in with a shotgun. <laughs> right, and they sort it out as quick as humanly possible. So the five elements I refer to as are the the executive team in the business you're in now. So normally those people would be generally above you. If you're in the executive team, it's the board, right? Yeah, right. Then it's your peers and those people who you work with and collaborate with to try and get the job done. Then it's your reports, the people who are in your team, and how they're performing, right? Then the, the fourth element is the external trusted advisors, those people who are your wider network. And if you have a really good relationship with your executive team, opportunities will come your way and they'll break down doors so you can get things done. If your peers are sorted, it's fantastic. You'll be supported when you're not in the room. Mm. If your team is performing well, it makes your life so much easier. You can focus on bigger things. And if you're supporting people in the external network, more opportunities, greater legacy, greater impact come your way as well. But the fifth element is the true fulcrum that most people really struggle throughout their entire career to get right, and that's home. Mm. And they don't intentionally set the right expectations and work to ensure, particularly in really senior roles where the amount of time and energy it takes to be in those roles successfully is enormous, often we just forget to set the right boundaries and expectations. So when I talk about entourage, all those five elements have to work together. And when they're all humming, your, your career trajectory will be steep mm. upwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Make, sure we, make sure we're talking about the right direction there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, well, uh, but before I move on to some questions, Greg, not directly uh, related to the book, I uh, wanted to ask if there's anything else from uh, the book you want to make sure we know, whether that's in the couple of sections or steps I didn't cover or anything else. Jeff, I think this may be two quick points. One is around a lot of people ask me what would be the next thing I need to learn. Mm. And so I think the key thing is work backwards from your outcome. So if you're just say you're in a general manager type role or some sort of VP type role and you want to be on the full executive team, look at that role and what's required in the job statement. What you're missing, then just do a plan gap analysis, and that's what you've got to learn as fast as humanly possible. Get some 360-degree feedback because then what you're doing is essentially building yourself into um, a, a, an absolute rock star executive, and you need to work back from what the outcome is because I, I can't say what the next thing is because I don't know where you're at now. I don't know where you want to be. Mm. So be intentional about your learning, and that will make a big difference. And the last thing, I think I touched on it before, is everything about what, what you need to be doing to get further along in your career is track record. Mm -hmm. If you've been maintaining the status quo, then it's just not good enough. You have to have a story to tell about the changes you've made, the, the, the new numbers you've got, the better outcomes, the lower costs, the more sales, the better service levels, whatever it is that makes 
something important for your particular industry or role, you've got to have that story. So find a way to make that happen. Leave no stone unturned in getting that track record. Well, what would you say, Greg, are two, maybe three book titles that come to mind as having had the biggest impact on you? And if you're able to maybe share how or why they impacted you as they did. One that I just finished reading very recently was called Sapiens by mm. Yuval Noah Harari. It's a very well-known book now, and Sapiens is about a brief history of humankind. The one thing that really stood out for me about this book was it really made me question my own internal beliefs and my own, what I'm bringing to the table every single day. And I'm a really big believer that whoever is going to be, if you're going to put yourself in the hot seat, you need to know what's going on inside your brain, your own decision-making, the myths you hold about yourself and the wider world around you. And this book really highlighted that. So that's what I, I really think that's something that's valuable and it's potentially a little bit different to most of the normal leadership books out there. And I like to get people to, to read stuff that is not so mainstream because the non-mainstream is where you have a lot more insights. The second book that I'd recommend is called The Rise of Superman by Stephen Kotler. Mm. And it's about decoding the science of ultimate human performance. And before I mentioned a bit about getting in flow, and I think this is one of the best books I've read on this and how absolutely critically important it is to be in flow as much as you can be at work. And what are the things that cost you from being in flow? And then how do you get into flow? Uh, and I know Richard Branson, he has a little classic one-liner that says, when I work for one hour in flow, I'm like five times more effective. And I think that's absolutely true. So I think those two books will provide a bit of a different angle for people. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I know that you do a fair amount of keynotes, and I would love to know any tips you have to pass along for delivering an impactful and memorable public talk. I've got a little little framework I use, uh, which is called um, a map, as in you need a map to perform. And mm. uh, a map stands for audience, message, assets and perform so like you jeff when i'm going to present on stage i do a really deep audience review i want to know what's going on inside their head what are their challenges so that when i deliver the message or when i go to craft the message which is the next point i know what i'm doing and it's applicable to the person who's watching and listening um so i get the audience right into a deep dive there then i work out what messages need to be delivered so that person is engaged and they get something from it then I work out the assets I need. And by assets, you know, do I need some slides, some videos, a bit of audio to bring in, maybe some templates for them to complete. And I make sure they're, they're all high quality. You know, the amount of times I've been in a conference and someone's handed out a, you know, a really a really poorly put together A4. And I think, you know what, you could have just dotted some I's on this and crossed some T's and it would be, and it would leave a lasting impression. So I get the assets and I make them really good. And then I do, really, the P stands for prepare, perform, recover, review, because that's that same model I was referring before, mm. is I do really really deep, meticulous preparation. And then when I do performance, I try my absolute best to put on the game face and knock it out of the park. Mm -hmm. And then I go away and recover and I review. So the next time I do that presentation, it absolutely has to be better than the time I just did. So that's my little process for um, public speaking. I love it. And I'm taking notes too. Uh, so <laughs> what's what's uh, coming up next for you, uh, would you say? What are you and your team working on now that, that's got you excited? Well, we, 
One of the challenges that we think facing in the world is with executive coaching. It's really hard for most people to get that. The companies can't afford it. They can't afford it individually. And that that sort of has really annoyed me over a long period of time that some of the best people I know can't afford to work with our business. So Mm. we're taking as much as we can and putting it into some online programs. And we'll be opening up an inner circle type mastermind online later this year. So that's what we're working feverishly on at the moment and, and just trying to make that really, really high quality so people get some serious benefit out of completing those programs. So that's that's the big thing for us. And of, of course, continuing on with the inner chief and uh, bringing all those messages from the chiefs and the gurus to the rest of the world. Well, Greg Layton is his name. Uh, the book, again, is called Chief Maker, the five-step blueprint to rising above the pack and getting a seat on the executive team. Greg, it was a delight to have you on the show. I'm so glad that we had the chance to get together. And thank you for being here. And thank you for sharing your expertise. Thank you for having me on the show, Jeff. I have really enjoyed getting to know Greg Layton. Super awesome guy. And I loved his book as well. And I think you will too. For more on Greg, how to get in touch with him, to grab a copy of his book and links to all the other resources that we talked about, you can visit the show notes page created just for this episode. That's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 215 for episode 215. I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Cloud Accounting Software, FreshBooks. Don't forget about that free 30-day trial available right now. Just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. No obligation on that trial, no credit card required, by the way. If you enjoy the read to lead podcast, I hope you'll consider sharing it with those on your team or in your network. The more ears we can get on the podcast, the more noses we can get in more books and the more impact you and I and those we care about can have on the world. One quick way to share the podcast is the URL readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. Or for Android users, use the link readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 